0: Episode 100, I'm doing the intro. In this week's episode... Uh... Comics... Cy Spurrier is, um... There's one about... Big guys... Uh, T... T? T, could you do the intro? T!
1: In this week's episode, holy smokes, we're at episode 100. Hope you're ready for some deep looks into fantastic books, all about subverting your superhero expectations. It's our 100th episode. What do you expect? It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Cover B.
0: Cover B, 100 episodes. Woohoo! Cover bees six seasons in a movie. Um, we've been doing this for a hundred episodes.
1: Technically more because of like graphic novels. Because of like
0: graphic, but a hundred normal episodes. Normal episodes. Um, it's
1: ridiculous. That's
0: crazy. We've been doing this for almost two years. Maybe more than that. Maybe did we start in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? No, or twenty eighteen. Started in twenty nineteen. We started in like November of twenty nineteen. I think.
1: I don't know. It's been a long time.
0: Anyway, a hundred episodes. <laughs> T, how do you feel after 100 episodes?
1: I feel like everyone should own Cover B merch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, I'll open with a question. Uh, over the past 100 episodes, what comic book publisher, publishing company, do you think has had the most growth and has put out the best content?
1: The most? Okay, I think those are two different questions most growth scout okay hands down yeah. Yeah, um yeah. they have gone from never being discussed on our podcast to being discussed basically every episode um so props to you scout best content mm-hmm. image 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 books are so reliable vibing with image they're just so reliable it's just quality content like i i can't they've got access to great creators they put out really creative bold books like if one of the big popular names from one of the big two are like i want to do something creative they're not going to scout Mm -hmm. they're going to image
0: (laughs) i would say for me most growth scout and uh scout and aftershock have just been putting out tons and tons and tons, and tons, and tons of tons. That's true. Aftershock has improved too. I'm also shout out to uh AWA and A Blaze oh, cuz yeah. they also kind of came out of the scene fairly recently like right around the time we started this. Yeah. And have gone from like uh that book looks just okay to having just more and more stuff coming out. Yeah. Um so the, those two companies are also companies to watch. As far as like best content, <laughs> boom. Oh yeah, Boom's Boom's been annihilating content lately. Scout has had some really good stuff. And there's been a few episodes where we've been like, hey, we're about to tell you about three Scout books that are awesome. (laughs) Um, So I think on the whole, Scout is really, really kicking butt over the last. But at the same time, that's kind of been a last few months sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Boom, I think, just consistently has been like getting really good writers and really good That's content. That's true. Like Something is Killing the Children is one of my personal favorites. It's a great book. We Only Find Them When They're Dead is one of my personal favorites. Very good book. Uh, Wind was incredible. Wind was very good. Um like Booms is putting out Boom's good stuff. Doing quality stuff. Their Firefly do- Run and their Buffy runs have been solid. I
1: do have to clarify. We have been doing this podcast since 2018.
0: 2018. Oh my god.
1: November of 2018. I thought it was longer. Oh, my God.
0: oh, yeah. It feels like it's been shorter because we took a hiatus because of the Panini. pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So it's that's true. Right. That's right. We had that's a right. we right. had
1: to break for the Patricia because there weren't any comics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess 100 episodes would be right around the two year mark. Because if you're doing an episode a week, that's like 53 episodes a year. Yeah. And then we had a big break because of no comics. And we had a few other breaks where... Of weeks where there just wasn't anything, we've been more discretionary about like we don't have to talk about anything this week because there was nothing to talk about, yeah. you know. So we've had a few weeks where we've taken the week off done for various reasons instead. Yeah. So two so and a half years. Two you and, guys. and a half years. Oh my god. My gosh. That's well, a lot. look forward to more. We actually, before recording this, uh, we're talking about a lot of big pushes that we're gonna do. So we're really gonna put a lot more energy into this. Um, not that we haven't been putting energy into this, just it's going to go up to the next level. Uh,
1: We're increasing the amplitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, thank you. We'll just say right at the beginning of the episode. Thank you, everybody who's listened to every single episode. Thank you, everybody who's listened to only one episode. If this is your first episode. Hi, welcome. Thank you for being here. <laughs> uh, we love doing this. The start this started as just something we wanted to do because we would get our weekly comics and then like shout at each other for an hour and a half about (laughs) what happened in those comics. And we were like, we could turn this into something. So, um, you know, it's been a weird two years with uh, Panini and everything
1: everything else else that's been
0: going on. (laughs) And the comic industry has had its ups and downs and the comic movie industry has had its ups and downs and it's been nuts. Um, absolutely. You know, and hopefully we've got, a hundred more episodes and 5,000 more downloads and even more kind of stuff coming up and yeah. uh, buy some merch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I got to tell you guys, I've got, I got one of those hoodies. I got the, I can't, I'm reading <laughs> comics hoodies. It's so comfy.
0: <laughs> Legitimately, don't <laughs> don't buy merch if you don't want to. I'm not going to make this into a capitalist rant. But, buy merch even if you don't want to. Oh, God. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to her. Don't, don't cap off our thank you for 100 episodes by being like, buy our merch. Um, I'm, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. Legitimately, thank you for everybody who's listened. And people that yeah, I've seen real. in real life that have been like, hey, I listen to your podcast and... Thank you for the suggestions or, hey, I listened to your podcast and it was really good or whatever. If you know me in real life and you want to talk about the podcast, if you have suggestions or anything like that, feel free to hit me up. Yeah, please. If you don't know us in real life, but you have connection to social media and you have suggestions or you want to talk about the podcast, you want to talk about something specifically on the podcast. Hit us up on social media. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and dive into the episode. I just wanted to say thank you because 100 episodes is cool. It's a
1: huge Thanks. deal and we appreciate you. And if you want another 100 episodes, please tell your friends. You know, it makes it a lot more fun for us when we know people are actually listening to us screaming into the void.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's dive into it. So this week we have a few really interesting books. Uh, first one is Orphan and the Five Beasts. Uh, this is a book written and drawn by James Stokoe. Uh It's from Dark Horse Comics. It's a kung fu epic of sorts uh, with kind of a gritty, I don't know, madcap sort of vibe to it. Um, effectively, we follow a main character who is an orphan. Uh, she's a student underneath some sort of master of this kung fu way of martial arts but also life uh he has this story where he once taught his methods to people who were being attacked by some sort of bandit leader uh those people promised to learn the full ways of this martial arts style uh they went fought the bandit leader didn't come back to learn the rest of the ways so they only learned these combative ways so now they've been corrupted and they're rampaging through the world. Um, and these are the five beasts in question. And it is the job of our, uh, our orphan character uh, to go through and stop them.
1: Yeah. I really enjoyed this book for a very particular reason. This book felt so much to me like the first episode of one of those super limited edition animes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, One of those, like, 20 episode, 26 episode only animes mm. where, like, it has a clear start and a clear end, and a clear goal, and you kind of, like, go, and you fight one big bad, and then the next big bad's gonna be harder, and the next big bad is gonna be harder, and then finally you climax with the biggest bad, and then it's over, and everybody feels good, and then there was, like, sad loss at some point during the middle, and, like, someone's probably gonna die, and that was it. And it's just... nice. It was well... like, the art was good, and the structure was good. It kind of gave me, like, like, non... Uh, vulgar super jail vibes yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like if you can take the the uh inappropriateness out of super jail which mm-hmm. I know is kind of hard Um, but that's kind of like the effort I got and like I love I, I'm going to spoil it I'm sorry I have to the first villain quote unquote <laughs> that we're approached by his whole shtick is like thunder thighs he's got like giant thighs yeah. that he uses to crush people and I'm like that's hilarious and genius and so weird anime. Yeah. Like, coolie vibes up in here. I don't know. I just, I was really enjoying it.
0: Stoko has a very specific sense of humor that bleeds into everything that he touches. Um, and it's it's present here. And what I love about it is that it's present against this backdrop of what otherwise is a very kind of serious plot. It's a very the, stoic yeah, book. It's a very stoic uh almost dour at times kind of
1: heavy drama,
0: drama dramatic book. Yeah. It's your typical kung fu plot, you know, and yeah. I'm glad you mentioned anime because I was going to say it does very much feel like an anime. One of the things I love about anime is that every story arc is just very straightforward. There might be like flashbacks and like linear jumps and stuff like that, but it's, it's exactly what you said. Most animes run as just like, here's the character, here's the plot, here's the story arc. It's going to go from a to B and then we're done. And then we move on to the next story arc. And that's what this feels like. Five beasts, pretty laid out, pretty obvious, you know, and it's just going to be like, okay, we're going to go beast number one. Beast number two. Yep. And those stories, that type of storytelling is very refreshing, especially in a world that's so dictated by readers that have a lot of experience with video games. Yes. I think that's one reason, like, I've talked to people in the past, because I'm kind of new to anime. I'm just now kind of getting really deep into anime. Right. I've, like, dipped my toes in the water (laughs) of anime. And one thing that's always appealed to me growing up is I played tons of video games growing up. And that's how video games progressed, especially retro video games. It's, you know, you think Super Mario World. Here's your world. Here's the castle. You've beaten it. Move on to the next one. Here's this area. Here's the castle. You beat that one, you move on to the next area. Absolutely. And that's just the progress of video games. And a lot of animes like Naruto, uh, even to an extent like Full Metal Alchemist, like One Piece, it's very like, okay, here's this story arc now we move on to the next thing. You know, this yep. guy can do this thing. Now we move on to the next thing. Very Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, Dragon
1: Ball even. yeah.
0: And it's, you know, they progress very kind of linear <laughs> in a way, just through these, you, you can see point A and you can see point B. Yep. How they get there. Sure. There's flavor and, you know, 15 minutes of someone charging up and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's space there. And, uh, you know this has that vibe to it in this like stoic backdrop and then there's just like little blips of stoko's sense of humor yeah. and i love those little blips like it builds up this character like when he walked the it sounded like a storm his name was thunder thighs you know and it's like it's so he gives reason he gives a in narrative reason for this character to have this name but it's a funny name. It's
1: super funny. To
0: the reader, to the people, the name makes sense. He's got big old thighs. And when he walks the ground, sounds, sounds like, thunder. like thunder. So he's thunder thighs. Like it's not a funny thing to them. So it's this weird bit of humorous irony between yeah. the two of us, us and the, the, the characters in the, yeah. in the, in the narrative. Uh, and I just love that. It's slightly gory. If you like, if you're not a fan of gratuitous gore, this might not be for you but the gore i i wouldn't even say gratuitous if you're just not a fan of gore the gore yeah. is not gratuitous it's not just like look at this gore whoa like it's just part of kind of the like i said madcap it's art style aesthetic. uh and madcap aesthetic
1: like i said non-vulgar super jail
0: yeah exactly <laughs> it's like super jail with less poop jokes yeah um or sex <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's it's a cool book Stoko's art is definitely an acquired taste. You have to go in knowing this is what it's going to look like. Um, but it's it's a fun book. It's really, really fun. I'm super excited to see this one play out. Yeah. It's agree. it's an odd juxtaposition of this really like kind of at times cartoony, at times twisted art style and like very like excessive in way like people's muscles are like blah, 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 look at all these lumps. Um, this art style with this very stoic kind of classic Kung Fu story. Uh, it, yeah, this one's fun. I love this one. This one was so much fun.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was really good.
0: Uh, Next up, another one that kind of fits the bill of what we just talked about. Ultra Mega, number one. This one's written by James Barron uh, with art by Dave Stewart. Uh, Ultra Mega is, first of all, a big old thick boy book. Uh, It's definitely an ultra mega book, which fits the tone. It's about basically a virus that turns people into Kaiju. Uh, But the world is protected by these ultra megas who are individuals that are selected by some sort of celestial power uh, to combat the Kaiju virus. So when they come into close contact, they're just normal dudes for most of the time when they come into contact with somebody who is infected, both parties are, shift and the kaiju infected person turns into some creepy mutated giant monster and the ultra mega person turns into effectively ultraman the you know full bodysuit kind of like mohawk you know it's ultraman they're ultraman um this book chooses to take a more it basically looks at ultraman and the way ultraman functions and is like what if that was real life What if human, giant humans with laser beam hands and stuff like that were fighting these giant monsters? So, because of that, this book realizes that, okay, giant monsters would like tear your limbs off and like rip your intestines out and stuff. So, that's kind of how it plays out. And by the end of the book, we've transitioned stories and we realize that the main beef of this first issue is only setting up. The world that most of the story is going to take place in.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. This book is wild. It is, yeah. This book is savage on the reader. I, yeah. I gotta warn you. You go in and you're like, kaiju virus and ultraman, like, Puh, this is gonna be silly and weird. No. I, no. This book is very literal, mm-hmm. very serious very on the nose with its tone. It does not pull punches. It does not care about your feelings. Mm -hmm. It does not care about whether you are connected or empathetic to a character or not. You're going to hurt because in a world where giant creatures destroy buildings and ruin towns in a very... Snyder-esque uh, 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 Superman movie where Supes and Zod are destroying whole towns and putting people's lives in shatters it's rough this book was rough I mean I was fully engaged I was fascinated I was I was so into it and I care about the characters and I care about it as I'm reading it but it hurts this book hurts I got to say, it's incredibly well-written. It's incredibly smart in the way that it's drawn, in the way that it's illustrating the humanistic side of Ultraman and the savagery that happens with the kaiju scenario being a virus. I mean, we're already so sensitive to the concepts of viruses right now, and we're constantly living in fear and then putting it in this very, like, Like morality focused scenario. Oh god. It it's great. I'm saying it's great. It was a good read. Yeah. But it was not a fun read. Yeah, it does hurt.
0: This book does a lot of legwork in taking sort of things that are expectations of superhero stories and turning them into a more realistic light. So here we the main focus, the main character of the book. Uh, there are three individuals that are gifted with this ultra mega thing. Yep. And honestly, life has not been great for any of them. Um, We find out more about one of them kind of later on and his whole tragic origin story. Uh, One of them was only a kid when he got these ultra mega powers and in an early battle lost an arm. Um, And then one of them, the one that it follows, we see him basically struggling to maintain a family. He's got a wife and a kid he really wants to be able to spend more time with them. But because one of the ultra megas has basically disappeared and one of the ultra megas lost his arm and is now off doing other things. Um, he's kind of the only one on deck. So he has to go out and do these patrols and he can never be home. And at any point in time, he could just randomly be somewhere and his powers trigger. And then he, here he is, you know, yeah. Uh time to fight a Kaiju uh, you know, and buildings get destroyed and like I said, arms get ripped off and guts get pulled out. And there's a whole extended sequence of one of the kaijus bleeding out on or one of the ultramegas actually bleeding onto uh the city and it causing these floods and they have shelters in the city and what what would it be like if the city streets were flooded by the blood of a giant human? And so it it takes a look at these ideas of like, this individual's been gifted with a great power, but look, it's actually a burden. This individual is one of the only people that can save us from this thing, but look, it might actually be what's causing this thing. And all these ideas that are presented in superhero books, but it really takes a look at those and it's like, but those kind of suck. Like one day being told, hey, you're the chosen one, and for the rest of your life, you're going to have to fight against this horrible evil that could kill you and maim you at any point in time. You it, know, and it plays on a lot of tropes of, you know, characters being like jumping back into the fray after they said they'd never do it again and how normally in superhero books that gives them this like righteous like, yeah, look at him, he's so badass. Look at him kicking butt even though he said he'd never do this again and it like turns that on its head. It there's subverts the subverts all of your expectations. There's the idea of the, you know, more stoic more unhinged character having like a noble like i'll hold him back moment and turning that on its head you know what i mean
1: it's true and it you know honestly the superman parallel is actually really interesting because it it entirely subverts all of the expectations that you take for granted from a superman book like lois land has been put into danger so many times but soups always saves her and it's always okay and you know you look at you think about, oh, well, Superman protects us from the bad guys. But when you really look at it, would any of these bad guys have come to Earth if Soups wasn't here to begin with? Mm-hmm. Like it it really takes all of those things that you absolutely take for granted and you you get comfortable in your position. And it just says, no, that's not. You're, you're not thinking about this from the from the lens that you need to be thinking about this. You're thinking about this from the lens of reading a comic book. Well, maybe you're not reading a comic book right now. Maybe you're looking at what would actually happen if the scenario were to take place in real life. And it it hurts. <laughs> it's so painful. There's so much yeah. just brutality yeah. in it. Yeah, it's, I did it. It's not, it's not fun. It's not superheroes of fun. It's superheroes in real life would suck
0: yeah and they exactly i did a i did a blog post a long time ago and i don't know if i've (laughs) talked about it on here and maybe we could do an episode about this but um you know everyone wants to be like people who read comics they're like man living in the world of superheroes would be so cool like it would be so cool to know that super people exist and like be living in new york and look outside your window and see spider-man swinging by and like how idyllic And, like, cool is that world where there's all this super fudge science and we know there's aliens and, you know, we can travel beyond the stars and people can have the technology to be Batman and stuff like that. But, like, when you think about it, when you really, really think about it, for the regular Joe just going about living his life, living in the world of DC Comics or Marvel Comics or Image Comics, like, superhero, living in a superhero world. A
1: crossover, if you would.
0: Would suck. Oh, yeah. Because... At any given time, a force could come to Earth that those superheroes have to fight. And they just have to do it. And you could be watching on the news all these clips of Superman getting the crap beat out of him by this dude. And the whole time you're going to be thinking, what if this is the one? Yep. You know, and it's like, look at King and Black right now. Like, King and Black the marvel universe is getting ravaged new york is completely covered in symbiotes and symbiote dragons people are getting ripped out of their homes and devoured by these things yeah uh war of the realms happened recently where you know giants were just marching through new york like punching holes in buildings grabbing people and eating them and it's Canada like they
1: got ravaged yeah man
0: that could happen at any point in time and even if it's only one person that comes to earth so say like you're chilling out in Metropolis. Dark Side comes to Earth, you know. And what happens if, or a Dark Side like a Dark Side adjacent person, or you know, a Mongol type, or a what's the? I don't remember the name of the new guy with the axe. Anyway. Oh yeah. Um, some sort of singular being comes to Earth, and Superman goes and fights him. The whole time you're going to be thinking, what if? What if this is the one? I mean. He- you know,
1: you introduce a Spider-Man and a Captain America and a Captain Marvel. And guess what? You're introducing Galactus. Yeah. He'll eat your damn planet. Yeah.
0: And that's the <laughs> thing. It's like you put so they put hope and faith into these characters. These characters are all built around like hope and faith. You know what I mean? Like every time we have a let's deconstruct Superman kind of comic come out, it's always about Superman stands for hope. Um, And it's like, cool. But like hope has its limits you know (laughs) and at some point what if like some random dude is just like sup earth i'm gonna turn you all into my you're gonna be my sweatshop for my intergalactic department store every single one of you and superman's like now hold on bud and the dude's just like whoa snap and superman's dead
1: (laughs) i mean (laughs) not to be that guy but like the reason why they put hope into these people is because they themselves are helpless to fight against it.
0: Yeah. And so like
1: the necessity of hope is that you are in a disadvantage.
0: So, yeah. So this, that kind of tone is present throughout this book. Yeah, It's this idea that yes, there are these ultra megas that are responsible for fighting the Kaiju, but everyone kind of looks at them and the tone of the book really focuses around like, what about the one time they don't? You know, what about the one time they fail? And then, like I said, at the end of the book, it takes a completely different turn. And we realize that that was just the preamble for what the true story is going to be. Yeah. Um, And it's exciting. It's a cool book. It's a cool book. Also very gory. Just like the last one. Quite gory. If... Like, it's very gory. more gory than the last hyper one too. Gore. Um,
1: not unnecessary.
0: Not unnecessary, but it like hyper because, like I said, it's a realistic idea of kaiju, and kaiju aren't just going to be like, oh, "I'm a man in a rubber suit, punch." Yeah, no, you know, uh,
1: this is not a Power Rangers epic end battle. This is not.
0: If you don't, so we'll just the 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 warning label for this is if. The scenario of someone being dragged towards their their opponent by their intestines is not something that you want to see or you're comfortable with. No, don't get this. Pass one. on this book. Yeah. It is quite a gory book. Yeah. But it's not gore for gore's sake. It still fits. It's very intentional. Like I said, it's still kind of all the gore elements are still taking a look at kaiju and giant people fighting kaiju and all this kind of stuff and saying, what if this was in a realistic yeah. scope? uh and it, it works it works it fits uh but this one's really cool
1: it's not i i again i just have to iterate it's not a fun book you're not gonna feel good when you super read this fun. book yeah
0: at least in the in the first issue yeah. it's it very you're not gonna feel definitely good about sets it. the tone on a darker <laughs> side yeah uh next up we've got one called midnight western theater this one is by lewis southward with art by david han uh, this one, I don't have a ton to say about this one. The first issue admittedly was a little slow. That said, I really like the two main characters that it set up. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's just my destiny to talk about every Western that hits the shelves. <laughs> I don't right. know. It sounds correct. Um, This one effectively follows the story of two strange individuals. I won't tell too much about them. One is a very, you know, uptight, kind of whiny gentleman and one is a uh young western woman with certain capabilities uh as they roll through towns on their way western towns on their way to the coast i think um and we get just a little snippet of who they are as they interact with a group of bandits that have basically murdered every single person in a town uh, so that they could claim it as their own. It's a real quick kind of snippet and vignette of Western storytelling. You know, it's exactly what you'd expect mysterious strangers roll into town, have a bloody battle with some bandits who were there already, uh, and then go about their way. There's things about these characters that dive into the supernatural that makes it a little bit more interesting. I also like the art style. The art style is very muted and it fits the title of the book. You know, the title being midnight Western theater, you kind of get these vibes of like black and white TVs and, or like going to a theater and paying a quarter to see this, like, you know, black and white movie, like with cheesy, like kind of orchestral (laughs) type stuff. Um, and so it evokes vibes of that again. I'll admit First issue, a little slow. Pacing was a little bit slow. Not a whole lot happened. There was a smidge of character development, but more than anything, it was almost like a teaser trailer of a book. It was like, look, this person can do this. Whoa. We don't know much about their motivations, their drives. We don't know much about what the overall narrative thrust of the story is going to be. Uh, we just know that these are the two characters we're going to be following, and if that's something that interests you, cool.
1: I... The first few pages of the book set itself up like this is going to be another one of those super dark, super depressing Western books that you've been reading recently, which there have been a ton of lately um, that all come in and they're super dramatic and super serial and everything's all kind of sad and murdery and depressing. And then it shifts entirely sideways and it just ends up kind of a really like it, it's slow and that not a lot happens, but it's also just a fast read it's, it's a quick kind of romp through a Western setting. It's like the action sequence during some of the funnier parts of Westworld. <laughs> and I know that there's a lot of like drama and necessity in Westworld. But there's also just instances when you're like, huh, that was fun. And that's kind of this book. It's kind of the like, huh, look at her beat that dude up. Segment of, <laughs> of west world and it's like fast and quick and you're like oh this is maybe a little more lighthearted than i was expecting oh this is a little more a little more action film a little less a little less uh <laughs> d- depressing western and a little more uh john wayne punching a dude down a hill like it, 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 it,
0: i don't know it was kinda it nice. definitely <laughs> it definitely doesn't seem to be setting itself up As like a postmodern interpretation of Westerns. No. So we've had a lot of neo-Westerns coming out where it's like, let's deconstruct the Western formula and move on from there. Much like a recent book that we talked about called Chain to the Grave. This one seems to be more taking the angle of what if we told a really natural, organic, approachable Western story with characters that had a supernatural vibe. Yeah. And that's not anything new necessarily to western comics hell jonah hex has been around for Forever. god knows how long yeah. i don't personally know 70s maybe um
1: i mean now we got jenny so
0: yeah and um <laughs> you know those characters these stories of like what if it was the west but supernatural i mean hell we had cowboys versus aliens at one point in time. It's um it's not a new concept but it's, it's an interesting balance of characters I like the characters. Me too. Um, And I think between the setup of the first couple of pages and what we see later on, I'm interested to see how the character transitions from her first couple of pages appearance to who she is now and what her whole direction is. I agree. Um, So I think it could be interesting. And it does, like I say, have that kind of vintage feel to it, (laughs) which I think is a nice touch.
1: It's like... You know how the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies, like the first one in particular, it sets itself up with really like dark tones and you're like, Oh, geez, this is really intense. But then there's like really silly moments where they're mm-hmm. just like being silly and the relationships between the characters is kinda of silly. Yeah. That's what this feels like. Like yeah. it's just a good old fashioned action flick.
0: Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's it's not too bad. It's a popcorn comic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I dig it. Uh finally we want to talk about a Marvel book, which is weird because I feel like we haven't talked about a Marvel book in like like months. Don't worry. Um, I'll
1: give you a full explanation of why.
0: (laughs) So this one is the black knight curse of the ebony blade. Uh, This follows the black knight who has recently kind of fallen back into Marvel's, uh, Marvel's crosshairs, I guess Uh, there's been a few times Mm he's popped up, particularly in King and black stuff. Um, And this is actually following out of his King and Black tie in one shot where they're doing a little bit more investigating into what his actual deal is. So the Black Knight, for those who don't know, is a character that used to be on the Avengers for a while. Hell, he ran an Avengers team, I think, (laughs) at one point. He did. He's effectively a descendant of Galahad. So he's got Arthurian connections And he wields something called the Ebony Blade, which is a blade forged from moonstone that was created by Merlin that can cut through anything. And for the most part, that's what we've known about him. Recently, starting with the King of Black tie-in and continuing on in this book, Marvel has decided, Marvel's creative teams, this book being run by Cy Spurrier, uh, have decided that they want to dive into the Ebony Blade a bit more. And so they've, this isn't spoilers because it's already been all over the comic book news world and it was in the King, it was pretty much set up directly in the King and Black tie-in. Uh, they've effectively made the Ebony Blade the inverse of Mjolnir. hmm So where Mjolnir can only be wielded by people who are noble and worthy, mm-hmm. uh, the Cursed Blade can only be wielded by people who are the exact opposite of that. hmm People with problems, people with emotional issues, people with doubts, people with rage, rage and and cowardice. Uh, So to an extent where even Thor goes to pick it up at one point and can't. And that's what we're exploring here there. This book is going to be diving into that mythos and diving into Arthurian stuff and diving into the Black Knight himself and trying to make him more of a character for the modern age which I think giving a character emotional issues, especially coming out of 2021 (laughs) makes him as relatable as possible.
1: I, all right. So you guys know how much I loved the size Spurrier hellblazer run. Honest to God, if you haven't picked it up, it's not super long. It's like a 12 issue series at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. He's off of it now. It ended in November. Uh, that book is honestly probably my favorite comic run in the past 2 years and that's saying a lot because i've read a freaking lot of books okay that's a lo- that's a big praise that's a big deal um so when i saw the black Knight, night i had read how he was getting set up in the in the uh, king and black um, tie over When I saw that this was being picked up by Sai, I was like, oh, snap. Okay, this is going to be one of those. And it absolutely is. What's so cool about this is that not only does it take a look at the character himself, who up until recently assumed that he was the only one who could wield this blade of pure negative energy, pure hatred and loathing and bad thoughts because he was so pure, has now been informed that actually the reason you can carry this thing is because of how unbelievably unpure you are. So coping with this realization of how awful and self-loathing he is, (laughs) so dealing with that, plus dealing with how do you then manage your own mental health while trying to Maintain some level of badness so that you can still do the greater good. What was most interesting about this book to me, though, is that this book doesn't just focus on him. It focuses on how others respond to him. In particular, the Avengers. The Avengers are always built to be this tight knit family that takes mm-hmm. care of them each other, and they love each other, and they protect each other, and they're all good people, and they want the greater good, and they want good things. And they, pardon my language, they treat him like shit. Mm-hmm. Thor, Mister Worthy himself, Mister All, you know, All Father King, running an all- entire dimension. Uh, of trying to be good and will be the last one to stand out in time is an actual bully to this man who's just trying to do good and manage his own issues in the face of ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And he treats him like dirt. He's an actual bully. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating to me because it's true. The Avengers only support those who can handle and wield their power without any issues. Anytime you introduce a hero that has any sort of mental instability or any sort of emotional unbalance or is struggling to be the good person and use their power for good, they push them aside. Moon Knight or uh Hulk, Hulk or uh Ma Boy. Um uh, uh my brain is blanking. Sentry. Sentry, thank you. Um
0: I was, I was like your boy. I don't know who your boy. is. <laughs> yeah, I got you.
1: Sentry. Any of these characters that show, even hell, they even kind of treat Daredevil like dirt sometimes because well, he's wishy washy. They've
0: treated Carol that way in yes, the past in anytime, her Miss Marvel days. They anytime, bailed on her a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Any time the Avengers sense that someone is weaker emotionally, mentally in their strength and stability on a, on a morality core, they just leave them to rot. Yeah. And that is so messed up. Yeah. And, and horrific. And you know, as someone who has been a century Stan and doesn't understand why he gets treated the way he does. The fact that Cy is like, you know what, you know what? John Constantine like dirt? They treat this dude like yeah. dirt too. Let's talk about that. There is
0: there is an ongoing theme in the Avengers. Uh, and I don't know if this will be the book that I hope it is. I don't know if this will be the book that finally like touches on it. But I hope at some point somebody does. Where the Avengers keep emotionally damaged people at an arm's length yep. until they're needed. Yep. They're compassionate and they're like, hey, you know... If you need to talk, like we're here. If you want to, if you need help, we're here. But they don't really ever become super approachable as characters for these individuals because they're a, the Avengers, kind of. Yep. You know, Thor doesn't have the emotional capability to handle it. Black Panther is way too kind of stoic and pragmatic. Yep. And Cap and both the captains, Captain Marvel and Captain america are just so kind of pure and have earned who they are in such a way that (laughs) it always comes across as condescending yep and there's a lot of examples of this happening throughout marvel like uh century very much like if you go all the way back to world war hulk he was up in a cabin dealing with his agoraphobia and his various paranoias and his various emotional problems And then they were like, hey, we need you. The Hulk's really wrecking shit right now. Can you come help? And he was just there like atom bomb against the Hulk. And then they did it with King and Black. I was going to say recently with King and Black, Sentry's just been off doing God knows what. And then they were like, call in the Sentry and Sentry's here. But how many times have we seen them kind of sitting down being like, can we help you with stuff? Um, Spider-Woman's run right now is dealing with the same thing. Uh, Her King and Black related issues actually had a lot of her and Carol because basically the rundown is Spider-Woman's dealing with some repercussions from who she is, how she was made. Right. And she's uncovering where these come from. And basically it could kill her. She, her powers are kind of blinking in and out. So she has access to this serum that gives her her powers back to a tenfold max. But it also makes her kind of ultra angry and really unhinged. Yeah. And so all of her emotions that she's been swallowing bubble up to the surface and become present. Yep. And that's causing a real, a real (laughs) crack in her bond with other people, uh, particularly her friends like Carol. And in the King of Black tie-in issues, she was interacting with Carol and Carol kept being like, you got to stop taking this stuff. You know, you got to stop like taking this. And she's like, okay, well if I do, I die without my powers and I'm useless. And Carol just was very condescending. And that was kind of the thing that Jessica Spider-Woman said throughout that interaction was like, look at you, you're Captain Marvel. Yep. Like, are you going to sit here and help me? No, you're going to go off and be Captain Marvel. Yep. You're like the crux of this King and Black fight right now. You're not going to... you How much do you actually care and how much of this just comes from you being Captain Marvel?
1: Yep. You know? No, absolutely. And I mean, the same thing can be said, as you said, like they only call in the Hulk when they really need him. But most of the time they're like, oh, Bruce is unstable. We need to keep him somewhere else. And it's so interesting because Bruce used to be a standard Avenger. They always had a Hulk. And then they were like, oh, wait, let's bring She-Hulk because, you know she's way more stable. Yeah. She keeps well, her bra- she keeps her mentality and and her her cognizance when she's in hulk form. That's a lot yeah. easier
0: to deal with. Well, and the the thing with the hulk too is that it really shows like that character really shows that these and I don't know if this is intended stuff obviously. Like everything we're talking about right now could just be us using our literary degree brains to just hyper analyze everything. But it's so consistent. And maybe we are, but it is very consistent and you know, the Hulk himself shows that, especially with these emotionally damaged characters that, or these characters based on emotion, basically, these characters with some sort of issue that could be helped to some degree, uh, is that you're only really as good as your last worst thing Yeah. to the Avengers. Yep. Um, And so, like, the Hulk was, for a long time through the 80s and 90s, was another hero and was you know, obviously his introduction, he was a monster and rampaging, but eventually joined the Avengers for a while there. He was fully like, he was Hulk all the time and he was smart and he was running around, helping the Avengers being a nice guy. And then world war, you know, world war Hulk happened, planet Hulk happened eventually, you know, before all of that, the Hulk kind of went back to being a monster. And so they shot him into space. F this guy, get him out of here. Um, And ever since that whole situation happened, there's never really been a moment. People have always been wary of Bruce to the extent where Bruce went to Hawkeye and was like, hey, kill me so I don't do this thing that people predicted I would do. Yep. And Hawkeye kills him. Yep. And has his own sort of qualms with it. He does admittedly have qualms with it, but and everyone else kind of has qualms with it, but they have qualms with it because not because he took out the Hulk. Not because they really cared about Bruce, but it was more... They kind of treated it like, but he had it under control now. He was better now, you know? (laughs) Good God. And um, Yep, it's true. Since then, you know, the Hulk's been resurrected. We found out he's immortal. He's kind of off doing his own thing. And he's not necessarily being a monster, but he's dealing with a lot of stuff. And all these people whose lives he saved, whose homes and families he helped protect, just aren't trying to help him aren't going off to find him. They're not like, you know, the whole Avengers thing. They've got a really powerful Avengers team right now. And not at any point have they gone out and been like, like, I think throughout the, obviously I'm not actively reading the uh, immortal Hulk run. There have been moments where different characters have reached out to him to be like, are you okay? But again, it has that kind of like, are you okay? I say as Captain America, who's supposed to say that, you know what I mean? Yep. And to what extent do they actually want to, like, go put in the work to find their friend and be like, you're dealing with a lot of weird stuff. You've got, like, the devil, the literal devil, (laughs) like, breathing down your neck. You've got these different personalities waging war over your body. You know, at this point, Bruce Banner's gone, as far as I know. Yeah. And uh, Joe Fix-It and Savage Hulk are basically trading off in (laughs) control of Bruce's body. And has anyone been like, "Whoa, he's got a lot of stuff." Like, The Hulk has a really intense thing going on right now. And how often have they been like, "Yo, we should go check on Bruce." We should go check on Bruce. Nope, yeah.
1: Nope. And it this also applies to people who have been victims to some extent. When was the last time Janet was invited to go to a fight?
0: Yeah, Janet's been a little bit not present.
1: Everybody's been kind of avoiding Scarlet Witch. For the same reason it's if you are not 100% a comfortable, if you make them uncomfortable, yeah, you're a nuisance and you're in the way.
0: Yeah. And like I said, this might be us hyper analyzing and fine if it is, but I do hope this book finally kind of takes a look at that. And the reason I bring it up is because it really seems to suggest that whole scenario that we just laid out right in the beginning. Yep. Black Knight shows Absolutely. up. It opens with the Avengers fighting these creatures that they can't stop because they're basically like scab monsters. They just keep um, regenerating. And they keep regenerating. Black Knight shows up and is like, yeah, the Avengers need me. And he rolls into battle doing his like chivalry thing. They immediately start making fun of him for how he talks. Um,
1: Thor does. He, rolls, which excuse me, as guardian. Well, yeah. look at you. He
0: rolls up, and they all start talking in muttered tones, like "Oh, this guy," and like talking to each other, like well, "Do we have to invite him?" And you know, somebody says it one thing. I think Thor again, like we called you because Doctor Strange is busy, and all this stuff. So rude. And um you know, they they just mistreat and abuse him, and he's having a great time fighting with his buddies. And then at one point, he realizes, oh, they need me to do this, like, super powerful, like, radial blast attack I can do if I dunk on myself for, like, 15 minutes. So he has to, he looks at them all, and they're all just expecting him to be that emotionally damaged person that they call him when they need him so that he can go out into the field surrounded by these monsters and talk down at himself and bring up all his doubts and all his rage and emotionally abuse himself. Yep. To serve their purpose. Yep. And that's how this book opens. Yes. So like I said, I don't know if this will be, I can't predict where size per year is going to take it because the book itself kind of just moves into like, let's analyze this character and give him a bit more depth kind of territory. But this book would be a great platform to finally take a look at like how the characters and by extension, some writers in the past and by extension, some scenarios in the past have not really always been super fair to people that are honestly just struggling. Yep. And consideringly, like considering we live in a world of a lot of people who are just kind of struggling, yep. especially in the tail end of so far a year long quarantine, mm-hmm. people are just having to deal with a lot of stuff that they haven't had to deal with ever before. They haven't had the distractions to not deal with them or whatever it might be. Uh, taking time to look at characters that people put a lot of love and a lot of, you know, emotional attachment into and taking that moment to say, okay, this is how they're handling these kind of things poorly. And then here's a suggestion on how to handle it properly. And even going through the steps of having issues where like bring Captain America back and have him think he's doing the right thing. Have him think, because that's the thing about a lot of people who try to interact with somebody that's dealing with, whether it be depression or bipolar or just anxiety or Mm -hmm. any number of other things, schizophrenia, schizophrenia, ADHD, uh, trauma, like reactions to trauma. You can go into it thinking you're doing the right thing and you might not be there's subtle steps and things that are often perpetuated as like, this is the right way to respond to somebody who's depressed right now. That doesn't always work. And it's honestly, sometimes it can cause more damage So when we're looking at a character whose whole thing, he literally opens with a statement, not opens, but early on in the book, he talks about how his options are basically get therapy and try to be a more positive person and never be a superhero ever again.
1: Which means he can't participate in the greater good. Yeah.
0: Or continue fighting the good fight and constantly struggling with this trauma and this hatred and this rage and this depression and this doubt all these negative things. So do I exist in a world where I'm constantly battering myself with these negative thoughts in order to be a productive person? Or do I go the opposite route and say, I'm done being the black knight and seek help, you know? Yep. And having, if you're going to have that type of character against a backdrop of characters that again, going back to what we were talking about, stand for hope and faith and goodness and justice you have these characters juxtaposed against this character that's struggling. It would kind of be a waste to not take a moment to be like people deal with shit. Yep. If you want to help, if you want to be an ally and an advocate, here's how, you know,
1: it's if anybody can take on the emotional damage that's being displayed by the black knight and the horrific indifference being displayed by the avengers it's size barrier he understands the depth of characters and yep. the depth of of nuance that's the thing that's what i loved so much about hellblazer is that size understood there's nuance to being a bad guy or a good guy or a somewhere in between guy yeah he gets that and he demonstrates how both, you know, all sides, like, you can be the best person. Thor is the most worthy and can't even pick up pick up the Ebony Blade. But he's the one standing there emotionally abusing the Black Knight for the entire first half of the book.
0: Yeah. And it's in, in that interaction with the Avengers, we see so many different outlooks that people tend to have yep. toward people who are depressed or anxious. Like, yep. Thor has very much a, like... Oh, you're depressed because you're not strong enough. You're like, pain. You're, you're you're a problem. Yeah, you're you're anxious because you just let yourself you're too sensitive. Like you he's should got,
1: exercise more.
0: He's got that kind of <laughs> he's got that kind of outlook. Carol kind of has the sort of like, have you tried being happy kind of thing? You know? Yep. Uh
1: Black Panther's Black fully Panther, ambivalent.
0: Yeah, just has the kind of like, well, keep your stuff over there. And then poor Captain America has just that really like, oh bless your heart kind of thing like you know like he wants to guy, yeah he but... wants to see the better in the black knight but what is he actually doing and i think taking a character like black or like black panther even or Captain america these characters that stand for a lot and represent a lot yep. and are very respected by both the people in their own world and then the fans and the readers and putting them as the one that has to be on the front line and be like I'm doing the right thing. I'm handling this guy with emotional problems really well. And then have it be like, no, you're not. Maybe not. I think that would have a lot of weight.
1: I do too. You know? I do too. But
0: all the same, I'm really excited to see how Cy Spurrier handles this. Agreed. Uh, Spurrier's the exact type of person, I think, to handle this. He does really well with characters with a lot of variety of depth. And depth that isn't your normal. Like they're good, but they're also bad. Like people with layers that are hard to peel back. Yes. Um. And I I think this is going to be a really cool book. I, I think it's too. just going to be fun. And he's doing a good job. Like he does a good job, really making you care about the Black Knight instantly. Like yep. right when you're in this book, you're like, wow, this guy is tragic. So relatable. And you just want to hug him. Uh. And yeah, he's gonna be very relatable for a lot of people. I mean, he he mental health awareness is huge right now because a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that things that they've always been told are just like, oh, that's part of growing up or like, oh, that just runs in our family or, oh, everybody experiences that or, oh, you're just being overly sensitive or, oh, it's just a weird year or
1: that moment when you get invited to go hang out with the cool kids. But actually, the only reason you're there is because you can do something for them that they can't do for themselves. Yeah. Like, God, (laughs)
0: But more importantly, like, the emotional issues are oh, yes. are things that mental awareness stuff is huge right now. Oh, yes. Because a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that these things that they always felt one way about might be more than what they knew about. Yep. Um, You know, specifically, like, just using an example, ADHD, a lot of people are realizing that. That applies to them more than they thought. Yep. Growing up, we were always told, oh, ADHD just means you're so hyper, you can't pay attention. But it's more than that. You're fidgety. It's it's <laughs> way more. And there's a lot of other levels to it. And so a lot of people are coming to terms with like, oh, OK, I have this. This might apply to me. Um, and so a book that focuses entirely around like somebody whose powers are based off of his mental health could be huge and should be huge. I agree, and people should read this. I agree. It's a good book. It's, it's going to be very cool. good.
1: It's going to be a big deal. That's it. That's going to be it. <laughs> now that we've talked about it for a lot, I yep. told you, I told you we were going to get into that book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I, was like, a mm,
0: hundred episodes, a <laughs> hundred episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to have a hundred plus more. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to check out all the other episodes that we've done, you can find them at Cover B Podcast. Com.
1: And if you want to follow us on social media, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Cover Me Podcast. And keep an eye out and an ear to the ground because I think we might be launching more social media soon. <gasps> I know!
0: Scandal.
1: So <laughs> exciting. Um, and of course, as we mentioned before, we do have merch. If you're interested in getting a shirt or a hoodie or a mask even, you can find those on our website on our merch page. Yep. So we probably are going to have an episode on Wednesday, I do yes. believe. Yes.
0: After this, we're going to go watch the Snyder Cut, um, and we're going to do an episode on that. So it's true. Look forward to that. Uh, we will look forward to interacting with everyone, all our loving listeners. We love you all. Ah. Everyone who's ever listened to this, thank you so much. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd like to interact with you guys. Uh, and until next time, we'll catch you back here. Same time, same place. I mean, varying times, because we're lazy and (laughs) not consistent but same place at least uh for more cover Cover me. me
1: bye everybody